The following contains descriptions of events that may be too intense for some listeners. Discretion is advised. Hello, divers, and welcome to Mysteries of the Deep. I'm Tom Feeney, podcaster and purveyor of pop culture propaganda, searching beneath the surface of what seems to be the ordinary, the mundane, the pedestrian. This week, we tell the story of perhaps the most notorious serial killer in American history. A monster who not only frightened an entire city, but also baffled and taunted authorities with cryptic messages. People were desperate to find the killer and end their reign of terror. One man took matters into his own hands in a most unusual way. Let's dive into the Zodiac Killer. December 20th, 1968. Two teenagers, David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen, were shot and killed while sitting in a parked car in Vallejo, California. These would be the first murders attributed to the so-called Zodiac Killer. Operating in the late 1960s and early 1970s, the Zodiac Killer terrorized the San Francisco Bay Area primarily targeting young couples. The name Zodiac comes from a series of taunting letters and cryptograms sent to local newspapers by the killer. Search goes on in San Francisco for the man known as the Zodiac Killer. The elements involved today included psychiatrists, astrologists, and police guards for school buses. Terry Drinkwater reports. The Zodiac Killer seems to crave publicity. He sent letters and cryptograms to newspapers and the police, recounting his crimes, threatening more murders, and making Bay Area residents very edgy. In his violent movements, or rather the violent, violent periods that he has been in, uh, he's an absolutely ruthless, completely merciless killer. He calmly goes about his business of, uh, in one case, telephoning the police, and another tearing a strip off the off the shirt of the dead body of the immediately killed victim. Um, he doesn't get great excitement over it. He, he just uh, he thinks killing is, is just killing. So somebody like that is going to be a very serious problem for us. From witnesses, there are two generally similar composite drawings. He's around 30, reddish hair, 5 feet 10, crew cut. But not much more than that is known. Today, a meeting of lawmen and psychiatrists from all over the Bay Area. They are weighing advice from astrologers on the theory that perhaps the killer who calls himself the Zodiac may be planning his next victim based on astrological signs. Terry Drinkwater, CBS News, San Francisco. The Zodiac Killer struck again on July 4, 1969 at Lake Herman Road in Benicia, where he shot and killed Darlene Ferrin and seriously injured her companion, Michael Magot. It was after these crimes that the Zodiac Killer began sending letters to local newspapers, claiming responsibility for the murders, and including cryptograms filled with coded messages. 
These letters would be signed with a distinctive symbol resembling a crosshair, which would become synonymous with the killer. The most infamous attack linked to the Zodiac Killer occurred on September 27, 1969, at Lake Berryessa. The killer approached a couple, Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard, and tied them up before stabbing them repeatedly. Hartnell survived the attack, but Shepard succumbed to her injuries. The next attack came only two weeks later, when Paul Stein and his girlfriend were targeted in San Francisco. Stein was shot in the head by the Zodiac Killer, who then took a piece of Stein's blood-stained shirt as a trophy. That murder marked the last confirmed attack attributed to the Zodiac Killer. During the years that followed, Zodiac continued sending taunting letters to the media, in which he provided specific details of his crimes and claimed responsibility for additional unsolved murders. The cryptograms included in these letters presented a challenge to codebreakers and amateur sleuths, but only one of the four cryptograms has been conclusively solved. The infamous 340 cipher. New developments involving the Zodiac Killer and unraveling what's known as the 340 cipher. According to the San Francisco Chronicle, a code-breaking team from the U.S., Australia, and Belgium may have finally unlocked this riddle. It has puzzled authorities since the Zodiac Killer sent this to the Chronicle in 1969. Investigators hoped that the Zodiac, who killed five people in the Bay Area in the late 60s, would reveal his name in one of his many ciphers, but this 340 cipher doesn't do that. According to code-breaking expert David Oranchek, the cipher's text includes this message. It says, quote, I hope you are having lots of fun trying to catch me. I am not afraid of the gas chamber because it'll send me to paradise all the sooner because I now have enough slaves to work for me. Despite an extensive investigation involving multiple law enforcement agencies, the Zodiac Killer was never officially identified or apprehended. Over the years, various suspects emerged, but none have been definitively linked to the crimes. The case remains open, and the true identity of the Zodiac Killer remains a mystery. The legend of the Zodiac has certainly endured, capturing the public's imagination and inspiring numerous books, films, documentaries, and yes, podcasts. Now, when it comes to feature films, there have been several that have tackled the subject matter. Most recently, the 2017 movie Awakening the Zodiac, which tells a highly fictionalized story about a couple who finds a 50-year-old reel of film inside a storage unit that may contain footage shot by the Zodiac killer himself. Hey, honey, I'm home. Harvey wants us to bid on that storage locker. God, another one. What? <laughs> do we own now? I was going through those boxes and I found something. What the hell is this? It's a Zodiac. The search for the Zodiac killer has been like the search for the Holy Grail. Look where it says reward for evidence. $100,000. Booyah! All we have to do is find out who they belong to. Man, this could be the one we're waiting for, baby. 
Then let's do it. This could be the cipher key. Can I give you some advice? Forget what you've seen. Get on with your life. I promise you, nothing good's gonna come from this. If you haven't heard of the film, you're not alone. It came and went without much fanfare or critical acclaim. Now, on the other side of that coin, perhaps the most famous and well-received movie about the Zodiac Killer came from director David Fincher. Dear Editor, this is the murderer of the two teenagers last Christmas at Lake Herman and the girl on the 4th of July. I want you to print this cipher on the front page of your paper. He wants his code in the afternoon edition. The Zodiac Killer has come to San Francisco. Another letter. School children make nice targets. He gave himself a name. Greek, Morse code, astrological signs. This guy's used them all. I like killing people because man is the most dangerous animal of all. Got any hard suspects? About uh, 90 an hour. I'm up to around 500. You got four crime scenes, not a single usable print. You can't think of this case in normal police terms. I'm not the Zodiac. And if I was, I certainly wouldn't tell you. Are you sure there's nobody else in the house? The 2007 film starring Robert Downey Jr., Jake Gyllenhaal, and Mark Ruffalo focused more on the investigation and the investigators rather than trying to get inside the head of the killer himself. And there were a number of other movies that featured characters that were inspired by the Zodiac Killer and his unique method of taunting the authorities. Last year's The Batman, starring Robert Pattinson, had a thinly-veiled version of the Zodiac Killer grafted onto perennial Batman villain, the Riddler. The 1971 police thriller Dirty Harry featured a Zodiac-like villain called Scorpio, and 1990's Exorcist 3's main protagonist, if you're not including the devil, is a serial killer called the Gemini. This all brings us to what I believe to be the strangest movie about the Zodiac Killer and his murder spree. Now, at the time the murders were taking place, all sorts of amateur sleuths came out of the woodwork to take a shot at solving the crime or finding answers to the various clues and ciphers the Zodiac released into the world. Of course, this kind of thing still happens today, they just call it Reddit now. Now, this leads us to a Minnesota man named Tom Hansen. In the 1960s, Hansen picked up stakes and moved to the much warmer climes of Los Angeles, California. He became a somewhat successful restaurant owner of a chain called Pizza Man that's still around to this day. But his real dream was to make movies. Now, being a self-made man, he did the only thing he could do, make a movie himself. Around the same time Hansen decided to leave the lucrative world of pizza and chicken behind, the first of the Zodiac murders had taken place. A year had passed, and Hansen was still looking for that million-dollar idea for his first film, when he had something of a brainstorm. 
a notion that could either be life-changingly brilliant or life-threateningly dangerous. Hansen would make a movie for an audience of one, that one being the Zodiac Killer himself. The film was conceived and shot for the specific purpose of being a means to trap the killer. How? Well, we'll, we'll get into that in a moment. foray into the world of disc-shaped flatbread with cheese and sauce, also worked occasionally in the movie industry, primarily as a bit player in several films. Using what contacts he had, Hansen put his plan into motion. Half sting operation, half publicity stunt, Hansen put most of his savings into his project. $13,000. Yes, you heard right, his budget for the movie was $13,000. So he hired his friends as actors and crew, then quickly shot and edited the film in just a few weeks. Once the movie, originally titled Zodiac and then The Zodiac Killer, was completed, it was time to set the trap. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Bob Keel here. Tonight, we have more news on The Zodiac Killer. Hey, fellas, hold it down. I want to hear this. He writes another letter to the papers. And I quote, This is the Zodiac speaking. I am the murderer of the taxi driver over on Washington and Maple Street. They could have caught me last night if they had searched the park properly instead of holding road races with their squad cars. I'm the Zodiac! Away, but I'm still loose, aren't I? Oh, he's got him! There we go, safe you and all right? What do you say to the nice man? Say thank you. I don't like him! What did Hansen have in mind? Well, in hindsight, it, it, it seems to be both totally insane and kind of brilliant. Hansen himself was quoted as saying, What if I do a movie and set a trap to catch him? I thought he'd go see a movie about himself. He'd have to. Now, The Zodiac in one of his many letters to the press, mentioned the idea of a film adaptation and suggested that either Steve McQueen or Paul Newman should play him in such a movie. Now, if you don't recognize those names, Newman is the guy in the salad dressing and McQueen is the one who the lead character in Cars is named for. Tom Hansen believed that if he made a movie about the Zodiac Killer and screened it in San Francisco where the murders took place, the killer might just show up to watch it. That was the trap. 
Now, you may be sitting there scratching your head and thinking, wait, they made a feature film and hoped the killer would just, you know, buy a ticket and some popcorn and enjoy the show and then bam, we got him? It sounds totally ridiculous, I know. But, as I said, Tom Hansen had a plan. And here's how it went down. Hansen booked the film into the Golden Gate Theater in San Francisco for a very limited engagement. Oh, by the way, Hansen never told the theater manager about his plan to catch the Zodiac or the local police. Every person coming to the theater would get this sweepstakes card and they had to fill it out. The grand prize was a Kawasaki motorcycle on display in the lobby. But little did the audience know, by dropping that card through a slot, they were unwittingly giving Hansen a handwriting sample. He wanted to compare them to the letters the Zodiac had sent to the newspapers. Hansen recruited his friends to assist in the operation. One would be watching where the cards were being dropped, checking the handwriting on the spot. If he saw anything that resembled the Zodiac's writing, he'd flip a switch that would signal another man, hiding, where he could see who dropped in the cards. There were others stationed outside, in the projectionist's room, and in the lobby. If they thought they had a match, they'd try to corral the suspect somehow and get him into an office for questioning. That sounds like a good plan now, right? In fact, someone dropped a card that said, I am the Zodiac, I was here. Unfortunately, nobody inside saw it in real time to evaluate it. On the last night of the operation, Hansen took a break from surveilling and went to the bathroom. As he stood at the urinal, he thought he heard the door open. He turned around and didn't see anyone. Then, out of nowhere, a man appeared at the urinal next to him, making peculiar comments about a graphic scene in the movie and how actual blood wouldn't look like that in real life. Hansen realized that this man matched the face on the wanted poster. It was him, the Zodiac. He confronted the man in the lobby, led him to an office with his friends surrounding them. They tried to rattle him with questions, but nothing fazed the man. Since they had no legal authority to hold him, Hansen had no choice but to watch as the man casually walked away. But that wasn't the end. Having obtained the suspect's address from their investigation, Hansen sent a postcard informing the man that he had won a prize. When he sent a private detective to deliver the prize box, they were supposed to announce that they had made a mistake and take it back. That way, Hansen would have the man's fingerprints on the package. But no prints were found. And neither has, for that matter, the Zodiac Killer himself. 
The case, as I said, remains open even after all these years. There have been many potential suspects named, including, weirdly enough, Texas Senator Ted Cruz. Uh, that notion has been a darling of some conspiracy theorists for a while now. And despite what you may think about Cruz personally, him being the Zodiac is just a teensy bit of a stretch. Mostly because the Zodiac Killer started his murder spree in 1969, Ted Cruz was born in 1970. That alone kind of rules him out. Watch out for those conspiracy theories, kids. It's called critical thinking for a reason. And that's one to grow on. Now, there are several more likely suspects that have been identified over the decades. The Wikipedia entry on the Zodiac lists an unlucky 13 potential suspects. And, of course, there are numerous books and documentaries about the killings. Way too numerous to name here. The latest being a made-for-peacock documentary, Myth of the Zodiac, premiering July 11th on the streaming service. I just always think about what she'd be like if she had a chance to grow up. I miss her so much. The Zodiac. The classic unsolved American crime. This is the Zodiac speaking. It's America's most famous cold case. I believe all the murders were committed by one person. That doesn't make any sense. The ballistics don't match. The fingerprints don't match. The witness descriptions and survivor descriptions of the killer don't match. This is the first time 32 letters have ever been analyzed with artificial intelligence. I've never talked about it. I just assumed he might come for me. What if there is no Zodiac killer? Now, what about Tom Hanks's movie? Was his film The Zodiac Killer a success? Well, if you're speaking strictly in terms of its ultimate goal, no, it did not result in the capture of the killer. But what about the movie itself? Does it succeed on its own merits? Again, Remember, there weren't any lofty goals or pretensions of artistic excellence here. It was a quickly made, cheaply shot, hastily put together exploitation film made by, eh, let's face it, less than professional people. But watching it, you can't deny that it has a certain lurid power. Knowing that it was meant to be bait to trap a serial murderer. So what did Tom Hansen have in mind to do if he had been successful in identifying and or capturing the Zodiac? I mean, what does the dog do when he finally catches the car? Well, ever the opportunist, Hansen planned to re-release his film with an epilogue featuring the arrest of the Zodiac Killer. And over 50 years later, we're still waiting. Now, if you're interested at all in watching Hansen's The Zodiac Killer, it is available to watch for free on the ad-supported Tubi streaming service. Now, if you're either a Zodiac buff or interested in unusual cinema, the nonprofit film restoration organization called the American Genre Film Archive has recently released a 4K Blu-ray disc of The Zodiac Killer for about 30 bucks. 
The disc also contains audio commentary from, yes, Tom Hansen himself. If you want to buy it, though, just be careful. It might just be a trap. for listening. If this is the first time you've heard this podcast, check out our past episodes available on almost all podcast providers and subscribe so you don't miss a single one. And if you like what you hear, please write a review. We'd love to know what you think. Or drop us a line at the deep dive podcast at gmail.com or on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter feeds. You can find links to those and our awesome t-shirt store in the bio of our Instagram page. All clips used in this podcast are meant for educational purposes only and not to infringe on existing copyrights. Mysteries of the Deep is part of the Deep Dive podcast family and a production of Automaton Studios. Studios.